Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, destroying the glass. It looks like they're bashing them in with hammers, bats, whatever they can find. The fire is getting bigger as we speak. The scene has cleared out a bit over here, but there are now, at least from what I can see, four or five dumpsters in the fire. And I'm going to back up here. To be- and that was last Friday night here in Lane County in the city of Eugene uh, as, you know, all heck broke loose uh, downtown. I happened to be, you know, celebrating my anniversary that evening over on the coast, so I had no idea this was going on until the next day. Um, So, but it's really kind of sad because violence is never the answer. Um, it, it doesn't resolve anything. Uh, so, you know, whether it's the violence that was committed against George Floyd or the violence that people are committing against business owners and the employees of those business owners uh, in downtown Eugene and other cities across the U.S., violence only begets more violence. You know, and it, it does not resolve an issue. You know, it might make you feel good or something like that, that you, you know, went after the man or whatever it is that people are thinking when they're doing that, but uh, definitely does not resolve anything. So, gosh, it's been two weeks because I had washing machine issues last week that kind of prevented me from doing the show. And my gosh, what a news filled, lots of things happening two weeks that we need to talk about here on the Bose Nose Show which comes to you live every Wednesday from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, Westland County Commissioner. And this is a call-in show. So we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you don't want to talk about the riots and George Floyd, you want to talk about something else, call in and change the topic, 646-721-9887. And just press 1. That lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press one. So all sorts of things going on, like I said. Uh, you know, the governor said that counties that, you know, got into phase one after 21 days, if they didn't have any increases in cases, et cetera, they would be able to move into phase two um, of the reopening of Oregon and uh, asked us, all to submit letters requesting that based on certain criteria, you know, whether we meet certain criteria, which Lane County met all those criteria is flying colors. In fact, in fact, our scores on the OHA scorecard were higher than any other counties as far as being able to trace 100% of our cases um, within uh, a certain number of hours of, of when we found out about them being able to trace cases back to known cases 100% of the time. You know, those, that, that contact 
tracing and the testing work we're doing here in Lane County by our public health staff has just been amazing. So we're ready to move into phase two. We made our application last Friday on the day we were allowed to do it. Uh, and uh, even when we made the application, there was still no indication from the governor's office what phase two even meant. So she held a press conference today to talk about what phase two is going to mean. And I watched the, the, the news conference live, and I still don't understand what phase two means. <laughs> But she did make reference to looking at a website, which did have some guidance around swimming pools and spas and um, entertainment venues and restaurants and bars. But it was still had a, a, several pieces that were to be posted later, like the guidance around uh, gatherings and general guidance was a to be posted later. And, uh, you know, a few other things were like that. So it's kind of like. Um, okay, <laughs> so we still don't quite know what phase two is going to mean. We don't know if we've been approved for it, but this time, instead of her saying it's 21 days, like she originally said it was going to be another 21 days, and then we go to phase three, she's basically saying phase two could last forever until we have a vaccine. Like, that's the be-all, end-all. Now, mind you, there's several diseases out there in our community we still don't have vaccines for. So, you know, just to name one, AIDS. There is no vaccine for AIDS. There are treatments, but there's no vaccine. Yet, you know, we don't curl up in a ball in the corner because of that. You know, it's interesting because it seems like uh, data is showing that COVID is not as um, dangerous as originally thought and is actually losing potency as it as it spreads into and mutates so going to be interesting to see how much longer we're you know once phase two goes into effect how long it's going to take place but you know we can talk a little bit about phase two and covid or we can talk about the rioting but i want to talk a little bit about just the atmosphere in this country right now and i think it's kind of twofold. You know, it's the frustration of people being shut in for so long and not being able to work and not being able to go out and do things outside the home, whatever it is. Social media has gotten so reactive on bad information sometimes and misinformation and repeating bad information and sending it out, thinking it's the gospel on both sides of the political spectrum and even in the middle I'm seeing stuff put out there that it's like oh my gosh people do your own fact checking please at least go to Snopes on some of it I had to go after my younger brother because he posted some meme about George Soros that's been known to be untrue for years and and, and still you know didn't go to Snopes and actually read the Snopes comments on it which basically says that he never said what the meme quote was, you know, so it's, you know, it's like good gravy, <laughs> you know, and I, and I think that's just, you know, part of what's going on. And it might be the frustration around the unemployment situation here in Oregon, because, you know, most of my friends are, are, are from Oregon and most of them are Lane County residents or my district residents. So, you know, as I think about our unemployment office that has failed 
you know, they finally had to admit that they weren't, you know, I kept questioning their 87% process numbers because everybody I was hearing from hadn't gotten anything. And they finally admitted that they've only been able to get checks to about 55% of the people that applied of the standard paycheck type people. They have not processed any of the independent contractors. So their numbers that 38,000 people haven't, still haven't gotten checks, that's 38,000 plus all the independent contractors out there and self-employed people that, that became qualified when the governor closed their business is down with her with her order, which leads to a whole other conversation about the judge in Baker County standing his ground against the uh, Oregon Supreme Court and basically saying, no, I won't withdraw my order that declared that the governor's order was unconstitutional. You guys are going to have to hear that appeal and argue and, and to make a determination yourself. So I, I appreciate the judge, you know, uh, sticking to his decision there, not just vacating it for the sake of, of uh, making the Supreme Court of Oregon feel comfortable, uh, you know, that they wouldn't have to make an uncomfortable decision around what the governor has done um, under statute uh, versus under the uh, section of the Constitution that actually talks about um, making declarations uh, of, of the kind she made. So, um, so much to talk about, but I want to get back to this atmosphere because it was surprising to me. So I'm was in an area with limited Wi-Fi. You know, I'm at a campground down in, you know, sort of a hole there next to a lake, uh, and it's the campground's Wi-Fi. So um, at seven in the morning, it was really good. By about ten, when everybody wakes up and is checking their their Facebook stuff, it gets it becomes really, really slow and difficult. And I posted a statement in the morning about, um, you know, basically decrying the violence against George Floyd and how bad that was, and then also stating how bad the violence and the rioting in Eugene was and how counterproductive that was because it actually hurts the low-income and minority employees of those businesses they damaged. I mean, when you think about it, who works back in washing dishes in Five Guys, you know, hamburger joint there? You know, it's it's probably somebody that's not getting paid a whole lot. Good chance it's probably somebody that might be a a, um, a person of color. Um, so, you know, that person's now laid off while they have to repair Five Guys. And same thing over there, you know, with this Starbucks. Yeah, Starbucks is a big corporation, all that stuff, and you took it to the man and damaged the Starbucks. But the baristas and the people working at Starbucks, they're the ones that are going to be not getting a paycheck and missing days of work. You know, you think you really hurt Starbucks' bottom line with one store? You know, it's, it's, it's like that's who got hurt. But I put that post up there and basically just talked about how initiating violence is wrong whether it's against George Floyd or whether it's against the businesses in downtown Eugene, it's just the wrong thing. It's never the answer. And the comments I was getting, you know, were basically inciting violence on either side of the equation. And then also repeating bad misinformation and all that stuff. So I'm trying to hide comments or, or 
you know, respond to them and, and I've got such bad internet connections. I eventually pulled the post down because I could not control the conversation on social media. I was shocked at how crazy it went on Saturday. So, you know, I had one person posting about how, it was, you know, the, the mayor of Minnesota is claiming that everything's, you know, this, the right wing white supremacists that are coming in and actually did the damages and started the actual looting and everything else. And uh, that's, you know, who they were arresting and everything else. A couple of days later, somebody went through the arrest records and proved that almost everyone that was arrested was from Minneapolis or the, or the state of Minnesota. And none of them could, you know, they couldn't tie any of them to white supremacist groups and all that. But, that was being taken as gospel by commenters that this was all the white supremacist fault. Those were the people that were actually instigating all this and pushing this. Um, I will note though, there were people of color on Friday night in Eugene asking the, the, the looters to stop, you know, so there were good actors out there that understood that the violence was actually going to damage their message. Um, and, and damage other people, you know, and, and it was, but it was just incredible what was going on with the, the people posting. And I, I just was like, what part of that don't you understand? So I took those posts down and I put up a couple of posts that basically said I had to take those posts down because of that, and I asked people don't, you know, please don't comment on this, you know, and, and just take this post for what it is. And sure enough, people commented on the post that I asked people not to comment on it. Because one of the things about Facebook is you cannot turn off the commenting on your own personal Facebook page or a page that you own. You can do it for a post to a group, but you can't do it on your own page. So even with asking people not to comment, they commented. And even some of those, once again, we're talking about you know showing up you know, armed or something like that, helping, you know, you know, and it was just, it was just not good comments on some of it. So I eventually just posted a, um, a meme uh, that basically is a quotation from Martin Luther King. And it's a really powerful quotation. And I read it at our board meeting, um, yesterday, and I just want to read it again now, just so people can hear the words of a man that fought so hard for racial equality and against prejudice and hate, but he understood that you couldn't fight hate with hate. So this is what Martin Luther King Jr. had to say about violence. The ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the liar, but you cannot murder the lie, nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. Violence merely increases hate. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So 
Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend Doctor, you know, such a, a great man. People should go back and read a lot of his speeches and read his words. Um, it was a shame that his life was cut short. You know, I was living at the edge of Washington, D.C. at the time it was. You could smell the smoke from my house of the riots in downtown uh, Washington, D.C. And my dad, who at the time worked for CBS News, had to go into work and actually lived in his office for several days um, and covered the riots uh, in Washington, D.C. for CBS News. Uh, so, you know, yes, I understand the rage. But the burned out neighborhoods after those riots took decades to come back. And the impact that had on the um, black community in the Washington, D.C. area as far as um, quality of life and all that was was there for years. It hurt them for a long time. So, you know, listen to the words of Dr. King. That, you know, violence is a descending spiral. You know, that we, we need to have light, not hate. So, kind of enough said about that. The one thing I do find interesting, though, is in all of these calls for, you know, police reforms and everything else, you know, because supposedly there's some kind of inherent um, systemic racism in, in law enforcement in this country um, and, and the justice system, which I, I truly don't believe that it's systemic. I believe there are individuals that may have um, individual racism and prejudices, but I don't think the system is necessarily I do believe um, that what could actually be a solution is something I don't hear people talking about. I hear things like, you know, taking away some of the uh, uh, immunities that are involved in being an officer of the law and, and immunities that are actually extended to even things, people like the um, sewage treatment plant worker or something like that for a city. There's certain immunities that governor, government workers get if they're carrying out their official duties, where you don't sue the individual, you sue the government um, for something that happens. But taking away those immunities, I don't think is necessarily the answer. The thing I don't hear people talk about is, what about the idea of having more minority law enforcement officers? I haven't heard one minority leader stand up at a rally and say, you young people out there, of people of color, you need to go to school and apply to be police officers. We need to be policing our own neighborhoods. I haven't heard any leaders out there at any of these these rallies or movements. You know, uh, sorry about that. Meant to silence that and I thought I did <laughs> now everything else is ringing too so I will apologize for that see if I can end that and silence all that stuff too <laughs> so it's just you know it's like 
do any electronics. But it's just, you know, you would think that that would be something that would be promoted heavily. And I know that there is this silver wave coming through law enforcement right now where they are short-staffed. They're having multiple retirements. There's a true opportunity for a career that pays a living wage with full benefits. Yes, it's a stressful career and can be dangerous at times, but usually the, the, the way retirement benefits are set up because they understand that, they're set up for early retirement. So quite often police officers retire in their 50s at full retirement and um, are able to enjoy you know, a second career sometimes. So it really, uh, it really would be, you know, beneficial maybe for, you know, one of the answers to this problem is we need more minority police officers. You know, so there, there won't be any perception of some institutional racism, you know, if, if the police force reflects the communities they're in charge of protecting the safety of. So, you know, that's kind of one of my suggestions is we really should be heavily recruiting um, minorities into law enforcement and and having them have representation and, and, and you know, self-policing their communities, you know, will be much, much less likely to have, you know, yes, we're going to have a bad actor once in a while. And it, you know, the officer involved in the George Floyd incident has been charged with murder. The three officers that were with him are also being charged. Um, so the criminal justice system is working, you know, and hopefully folks understand that they need to have a fair and um, unbiased trial and, and be afforded due process of law and, um, you know, that we don't, get into the, you know, convicting prior to evidence and everything else and, uh, you know, do the convictions right so they stick. So, but, so that kind of gets through some of that craziness. But, you know, going back to some of this social media stuff, I just want to note that our mainstream media is not helping now, whether you like the president or not, he decided with a group of, of some of his cabinet to look at the damage done to Lafayette Park and St. John's Church across Lafayette Park from the White House that had been uh, set on fire and damaged during some of the rioting there. And he walked over there with the group it was, yes, it was a photo op, and he walked back. But the mainstream media reported, without fact-checking this, that the park police had come out before that and cleared the crowd using tear gas and rubber bullets, which, if you think about that imagery, that goes straight back to um, how some of the race riots were handled in the late 60s and the early 70s, you know, and, and was that sort of imaging. 
imagery. And of course, they said, you know, it was a peaceful protest, but they used it to, to move him out just so he could make this walk. Well, the head of the park police came out and said, no, that never happened. You know, and, and multiple people have come out and said that. Yet I saw that still repeated in a USA Today story this morning. So it just amazes me. You know, I, I can't blame sometimes when people go off on, on social media when the mainstream media won't even tell the truth at times or fact check themselves. I mean... I even have it with the local Sayus Law News down in Florence, who decided to print a letter to the editor from a woman discussing a Facebook conversation I have with her without ever going back to the original post to see what she said I said was actually the truth. Yet they printed the letter, letter in its completeness, even though it completely um, misrepresents what I said in that post. And by the way, the post was taken off by, by the original person. So, you know, it's basically they knew they couldn't leave it up because if somebody checked, they'd know that her, her letter to the editor was untruthful. So, you know, please, folks, count to 10. Try and find multiple sources for what you're, what you're putting online. And, and do some fact-checking. And, and ask your friends to do the same thing because there's no point in making people even more angry because you're putting something up there that's untrue. So it just uh, amazes me some of that. But I have to get to my what were they thinking award for the day. And I didn't warn uh, Robin about this. So you know, we have the state unemployment office that has had money in the bank to fix their computer systems for eight years that they got from the federal government, over $80 million that they just set aside and said, well, we, well, we got a plan that how we're going to do this and all that stuff, and they never did it. Meanwhile, our governor, when she was secretary of state in one of the audits that she did as secretary of state, said something about that system being just out of whack. You know, so she knew about it. Well, finally, she decides she's going to fire the head of, of the, the Oregon Unemployment Department uh, over this whole craziness that we talked about earlier, where they just haven't processed but 55% of the applications from the people that have been laid off during COVID-19 and almost none of the independent contractors and sole proprietors that have been wiped out by this. So all those people haven't gotten any checks, you know, and, and we wonder why everyone's so worried if they lift the uh, eviction moratorium that everyone's going to be getting kicked out of their apartments and stuff because they haven't been able to pay rent because they haven't gotten a damn unemployment check since this whole thing started. Well, I'm not giving it to the governor for finally firing the head of that department. I'm actually giving it to ODOT. What were they thinking? With all of that example in front of them, 
you know, of the complacency and problems and the news stories about people calling in, being put on hold and eventually hung up on, and if they could even get put on hold and emailing with no response or anything, ODOT decides they're going to try and get back to business a little bit. And one of the things that is, is you could call in for certain services. Well, lo and behold, the first day they try and open up, completely jammed phone system. Phone system goes down from over, over, you know, basically, you know, overheated. It was being so many people tried to call in because there was such a pent up demand for all their services while they were shut down um, during this, this shutdown which I never quite understood the complete shutdown of, of some of the DMV services. Uh, and it just, it, it was like, oh my gosh, what were you thinking? You saw what happened in the unemployment department. You weren't ready for the surge when you chose to reopen. What were you thinking, DMV and ODOT? amazes me. It's kind of like, you know, the unemployment department, you know, gets out there and, and, and screws up and, and, the, and the DMV goes, here, governor, hold my beer. <laughs> we'll show them how it's done. Oh, gosh. How many bad things happen after that phrase? Here, honey, hold my beer. Uh, <laughs> I think it sounds more like pull my finger. Oh God, they did. They they definitely uh, stunk the place up uh, on Monday when they tried to do that reopening. But so much to talk about. So much you could talk about on the Bo's Nose Show. All you have to do is call in to change the subject. You know, because we don't have to listen to Jay talk about what he wants to talk about. You can give us a call at six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. Just press one. So we know you want to get in on the show because we do have people that call just to listen when they're walking away from their computer and can't just stream us live from blog talk radio or watch us on Facebook live from our KRBN internet Facebook page. Um, So again, the number is 646-721-9887. Press one. So Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire knows you want to get in on the conversation. There's so much to talk about riots across the country now they're spreading into other countries which i don't quite understand why are they having rioting in france because somebody in minneapolis got killed by a police officer yeah i'm not sure um it just kind of surprises me a little bit but yeah it's happening i guess any excuse for a good riot um yeah we can talk about that uh, we can talk about, you know, police, you know, policing in the U.S., uh, policing here in Lane County. Um, yeah, we can talk about some of the lies and, and mistruths that are being perpetuated through social media and even our mainstream media. We can talk about the unemployment situation. We can talk about phase two. What's that going to mean? I mean, I, I the one thing I did see, they're going to let some pools open, but they're going to, you know, they're going to tell you that you have to keep six feet away from anybody else in the pool. Um, you know, which is just kind of fascinating. You know, I would think that 
a pool full of chlorine would be a not a very good place for COVID-19 to, to survive very well. Um, viruses are fragile things. Um, they don't like anything that, that, that tends to be uh, a disinfectant and uh, chlorine uh, and bromide in pools tends to be a pretty strong disinfectant. Um, so, but they are going to let pools open. Uh, my guess is you'll see some pools where they'll actually close a lane between each lane for lap swimming or something. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, it just, it's fascinating um, as we keep moving through this new normal here on, you know, so um, so we, you know, we can talk about that. We can talk about, you know, the budget that we um, adopted on the 21st, uh, which was after the last show. It took us till almost 11 o'clock at night from starting at 5.30 in the evening to get to that budget. And um, we are, uh, you know, looking at uh, basically a hold serve budget, but we had to make $8 million in reductions to our revenue for COVID-19 in that budget. But we're kind of covering a lot of that either between uh, hiring freezes and uh, uh, reserves at this point. So um, looks like we have Robert holding here and to get on the show. Robert, what can I help sure. you with? Hey, Jay, I'm just I'm, I'm curious about this uh, phase two thing. So I teach ballroom dancing and um, you know, that's something you're obviously standing directly in front of someone. I don't do it in a class setting, uh, teach competitors. And so like the social distancing, am I still shut down or, um, yeah. I'm just not clear on that, how, what, what's. That is a really good question. Um, you know, they, they let you get within six feet if you're masked. Um, whether you'd have to wear um, some kind of protective gloves to, to do the handhold in ballroom dancing. Um, but they, they are. But, but well, asking, 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 you know, people who are old enough to afford this to wear a mask while they exercise is, is kind of, you know, it would be professionally not cool of me to do that. Um, yeah. Like what are I, personal I, trainers yeah. doing? Well, personal trainers usually aren't actually, you know, having to demonstrate dance moves and, and, and work <laughs> as, a, as a couple, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen a personal trainer do that. So that usually, you know, they can maintain the six foot of distance for the most part. And they're having people not share equipment. And, and after the, the person leaves, they're cleaning down all the equipment, et cetera. Um, it, you know, that, it's a good question. I was on the, the governor's website today looking at some of the things uh, that they're allowing to reopen and uh, at least the ones they provided some guidance on. And there was some guidance about um, sports leagues and other um, uh, recreational sports. And it, that may be where you need to look for something that would apply to ballroom dancing. Cause I would, you know, to me, that's a recreational sport. I know. Yeah. You, you know, as well as I right. do that, that 
that takes a lot of athletic ability to, to do ballroom dancing. Um, right. It would be basically it, like asking a wrestler to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, that may be one of the things I, I just, I don't know how, how you're going to skin that cat right now under the, under the governor's rules. Cause they're asking all right. like all employees and restaurants and stuff like that have to be masked. And, and, and even and, in the and gym, not, not that I would consider breaking the law, but what are the criminal penalties for, for not doing that? Um, mostly it would, they, their current mode is to come after you with OSHA uh, for an unsafe workplace practice. And, it, I got and it. The, fine, the fines for that can be in the thousands of dollars. But, right, right. I have attorneys that have told me that OSHA is kind of making it up as they go along, that they don't have statutory backup for that. And, of course, I talked earlier about the judge in Baker County that has ruled the governor's entire stay-at-home order unconstitutional. So you can take your chance on the fact that that, that, that ruling will be uh, sustained by the Oregon Supreme Court, which was mostly appointed, and the chief judge owes their position to the governor. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, it's, it's really an interesting times. I, you know, yeah. they're threatening a lot of stuff, but I really don't see where they have a legal authority for what they're threatening. So it's kind of wow. one of those things where, where if you take the chance, you know, you may be on your own. Um, but it's, it's also one of those things where, you know, this is a communicable disease. For certain people, it is very deadly. You know, we get people that are elderly, particularly once you get over 75, it's got a very high mortality rate. And people that have um, various complications like diabetes is one of the complications that really goes wrong with, with COVID. So, yeah, um, so for, for me, it's, it's, I would rather, you know, play it safe than sorry. But if my competition starts opening up and stuff, you know what I mean? It's like this real, like you were saying, it's this massive gray area. And, and how much do you want, how, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice, I guess? Yeah. Well, I would suggest um, as we get, there's supposed to be more guidance coming out of the governor's office in the next day or two that you contact, um, Lane County's uh, COVID um, information line, which is 541-682-1380. And they may be be able to get you with a staff person that can look into that specific industry and see where you fit, where, where you fit the rules and and whether or not you're going to be allowed to read, to, to, to get back into your profession. Okay. Thank you so much. Jay. Yeah. Just that before you go, Robert, you're, yeah, you're like independent business owner or, or you a a sole proprietor contract. Yeah. Except I rent, I'm, I own the business, but I rent, I rent the space. And so like in the, in the building, you know, I couldn't, there's no possible way I would be willing to sacrifice, you know, get, get them a call from the state about noncompliance. You know, that's yeah. just a, that's just a, uh, that's just too much of a, of an ask. So have you, have you been able to file for unemployment? 
Um, well, I was able to file, and I haven't heard back from them, and it's been almost three months now. So, so, so I, got the, I got the $1,200 check from the Trump administration, and then, um, you know, I mean, it, it just must – you know, the amount of frustration that me and everyone feels – regarding the the um the money situation is just people are in better in worse shape than me so i just feel bad for them mostly but i it's just you know how how do you express your frustration in in uh you know what i mean i mean that's why people should yeah. be actually protesting if they were you know well, they're at, happy at the end of the day Even even the ones where people came armed, it was a peaceful protest about about the lockdowns. So yeah, yeah, no, that's great, yeah. and, and I, I, think, and I so, wish I those people more luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you calling, Robert, and, and and asking those questions. And I hope maybe that we'll we'll realize that you know what you probably might have to do is is limit your clientele that are elderly and ask people some questions about their health backgrounds, but you could probably have been operating safely through this whole thing, which is the sad part. You know, no, there's, there's the no doubt that I could have been, but, but it's just the, the, you know, when the government puts its foot on your throat and, and you're a sole proprietor, that's just how, you know, you lose, right? There's yeah, no, okay. there's no, I have no recourse. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to be careful about that foot on the throat imagery now. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's right. But, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I know that was always the the, the 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 phrase people would talk about. Now it's like we've got this this video image of uh, you know somebody being you know having their you know it wasn't necessarily a foot; it was a knee. But that that imagery is just vivid in our mind now. Um, but yeah. that's literally what government's doing to small business people like you and, and with no relief from the unemployment office at all. So, well, I appreciate yeah. you calling in. Give, give uh, Lane County a Thank call tomorrow and they may be able to help you find more specific um, guidelines that fit your industry. All right. Thank you so much, Jay. You're welcome, Rob. See, and that's how easy it is to get in on the Bo's Nose Show and change the conversation and take it in the direction you want to take. Um, just have to give us a call at 646-721-9887. Just press one so Robin knows you want to get in on the conversation here. And, uh, you know, I, I really feel for Robert. I, I actually know Robert. Um, and, uh, you know, he is a ballroom dance instructor as, as a profession. And, you know, of course, that's gotten a little bit more popular with, you know, Dancing with the Stars and all that stuff. And, yeah, you have to be in close proximity, but usually um, a lot of the people he's teaching are couples that have been married and they're in close proximity at home all the time anyway. Um, And as long as maybe he's uh, maybe limiting some of his practice uh, age-wise and making sure, you know, he doesn't have people coming in that have some of those um, uh, pre-existing conditions that, that make COVID worse. Um, 
and of course asking people, you know, feel sick or have fever, you know, that sort of thing, he could continue operating. In fact, Denmark reopened their schools and they haven't seen any issues with their schools. You know, and some of it they're they're blaming on the fact that COVID is so um, ineffective in youth as far as uh, causing bad problems. It seems that most young people have it are asymptomatic or extremely mild symptoms to also that the COVID-19 virus is mutating to be less um, dangerous over time. So, uh, you know, if Denmark can have school children sitting in the same classroom and all that stuff, it seems like Robert could figure out a way to operate his business and his clients could decide whether it's safe or not to come in and get taught. Um, that's kind of been my argument all along is business owners, employees, and customers can decide whether it's safe. You know, and as long as we don't yank somebody's unemployment because they wouldn't go into work because they're, they didn't feel like they're, they had a safe work environment. Um, but of course, yeah, people like Robert haven't seen a check yet in three months, um, other than the twelve hundred dollars uh, from the, uh, the the first relief act there, the CARES Act or whatever. Um, it just amazes me. So, uh, yes, we should we should be back to work, and we should be allowing people to use their own good common sense in a lot of ways. And yes, there are going to be people that do stupid things. It's no different than the idiots that get behind the wheel after they've been drinking. You know, people are people. They're flawed. You know, we need we need to understand that and and, and work towards being better people, but also understand that not that everyone is not perfect and forgive the flaws in other people. You know, so much power and forgiveness. Um, we've talked about that on the show a long time ago. Maybe I need to do another show about that and just how powerful that 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 concept is and how freeing it is and how much you bind yourself to somebody when you haven't forgiven them and the power you give that person over your life if you don't forgive a person for a transgression on on against you. You know, just it they live in your head. <laughs> Why do you want somebody that did something bad to you to live in your head? Yeah, so it's kind of sometimes I I don't get how people get so wound up and and so hateful about public figures, whether it's a celebrity they don't like or a politician they don't like. Man, that person you don't like is living in your brain. <laughs> free of charge let it go yeah i don't know you i've never met you but man i hate you yeah yeah oh yeah yeah it's like let it go let it go folks um which kind of gets me back all the way around full circle where we originally started off talking about violence on this program And, and i want to make people aware and understand my base philosophies are libertarian in nature. And if you read things about libertarianism, you understand that the 
one of the base philosophies of libertarianism is to limit the initiation of force. You know, through through government action and also between people. That is the basic philosophy around it. You want to limit the amount of force you use as a government. You want to limit the amount of force there is between, you know, use between people. Um, and you do that, you know, through, you know, contract law enforcement and, and you know, law enforcement in general, that people that do initiate force, you know, should, uh, um, should have some kind of consequence. And, and it's such an important concept and base philosophy for me. So, you know, even though I absolutely abhor and despise what happened to George Floyd, it was unnecessary. Um, and it looks like, you know, the police officer involved and the police officers that were with him are all being charged with crimes, which is the correct thing to do. You hold those folks responsible that do initiate force, you know, and, and, and do something about it. And, you know, force can be um, breaking a window. Force can be slapping somebody in the face. Um, You know, None of it's right if it's initiated. Now, the one thing about that philosophy is it doesn't mean that you can't respond to force. You know, you can't have a national defense that, you know, somebody attacks this country that you can't respond with force. You know, somebody decides to bomb your naval base in Pearl Harbor, you might want to go to war with them. And therefore, it, it is that force is actually has some justification as a response. Um, but if it can be resolved without force, that's the best way to go. You know, anytime you can try and resolve a situation without force or violence, absolutely the best way to go. Yeah, and I'm speaking of this as somebody that's a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. Personally, I have a concealed weapons license. Um, I carry the last thing that's going to happen is, is for me to ever use that firearm. And in the only case I would ever use that firearm where I felt my life or somebody else's life was being threatened, I would never use it to protect, you know, property. Somebody's stealing my car. I'll let them drive away before I'll shoot at them. I won't be happy, but theft is not a capital crime. It's not punishable by death. And if you pull a, a, a firearm out you're, and, and point it at somebody, you're doing that because you are willing to kill that person. And I, I, I and I, you know, theft, um, vandalism, whatever it is, is not punishable by death. Now, if you're a business owner inside a store and you've got a horde coming in and you feel your life is being threatened by that horde, that's a different story. You know, if they're coming in armed with weapons and whatever else and, you know, 
getting ready to throw a Molotov cocktail into your business, which could could harm you. There's 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 a there's a line that folks have to decide about. But in general, initiation of force, bad. I don't care whether it's that officer that chose to, to kneel on George Floyd's neck or it's the idiot that threw something through the window of, you know, the uh, Starbucks there in 7th and Washington in, in downtown Eugene. It's wrong. It always violates somebody's basic human rights when you initiate force against another person. You know, nothing allows you to do that. And when you do do it, you're usually doing something to take that person's right away. You know, you're, you're taking away their, you know, their ability to, um, you know, pursue happiness or to earn a livelihood. You know, you're, you're taking something away by the initiation of force. From somebody else. So to initiate force in the support of some kind of human rights effort just is not makes absolutely no sense. It's one of the reasons why I read that quote from Martin Luther King. He understood that. He held huge rallies. The I have a dream speech. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people there, if not millions. Were any windows broken? Were any dumpsters lit on fire? No, because his speech was about rising above ourselves. You know, and his speeches in generally are. So, I'm going to give everybody a homework assignment because I kind of feel like, you know, Martin Luther King sort of is this mythical character that has all these streets named after him. And we sort of maybe read about him a little bit during Black History Month in in the classroom. But a lot of these folks that are out riding right now are under the age of 30, you know, or even under the age of 40. And they didn't live when Martin Luther King was alive. They may not truly understand the words and and the actions he was taking and the nonviolent protests that he was partaking in. The civil disobedience versus riot is a huge difference between those two things. You know, go back you know, folks that are thinking about getting out on the streets, read some of his speeches, read about his life, read about some of his philosophies, and understand how much he was against violence. (laughs) And how much my poodles think it's time for dinner, because I usually feed them just after five o'clock think they're alarming because they're thinking it's dinner time. (laughs) So, 
as we get into the last couple of minutes of the Bo's Nose Show, I just want folks to think about that. During this time where we're so divided and so reactive, take a few minutes, fact check yourself and all that, but maybe take even a few minutes, Google Martin Luther King speeches. Read a few of them. Read his I Have a Dream speech. You know, understand his his dream that his four young daughters, you know, would grow up to live in a in a country where you're judged by the content of your character and not by the color of your skin. You know, understand what he meant by those words. You know, he didn't believe in, in, in group identity. He thought of all people as part of the human race and all deserving of rights and all deserving of being judged by the, as an individual by the content of their character. So take a few minutes. Take a deep breath. You know, we're all so stressed. You know, think of folks like Robert that called in. He's been unemployed for three months with no, no, no relief from the government financially, you know, living off of, of savings probably. Um, maybe he's fortunate enough to have a partner that's still employed or something, uh, you know, paying the bills in his household. Um, but uh, we really need to, you know, take a deep breath. We know this is all stressful. This will pass. I mean, you know, eventually things have passed in, in this country over time. I mean, we, we, we got past World War II, the years of that, that, the Great War. We got past the Great Depression. We got past the Spanish flu pandemic. We got past World War I. We recovered from the Civil War and, and met, met, you know, mended this country back together. Uh, you know, so many things have happened in this country over time that, have, that we have recovered from. I mean, we still remember it, still painful memories about those, those times. And we, and we celebrate some of those painful memories. We just celebrated Memorial Day. And all of those that, that fought for our country and gave the ultimate price. You know, that's a painful memory, but we celebrate it because we understand they died to protect our freedoms. Our freedoms and rights that are inalienable and can only be taken away from us by force of others and the initiation of force against us. Be the initiator. Don't take somebody's rights away. So with that, we're out of time on the Bose Nose Show. We'll be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock for another great show. Hopefully we'll have something else to talk about. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.